by Kyle Stein, Jacob Utsi, and Michael Kimball. We are here in week nine on Tuesday evening at 7, 11 p.m., less than an hour probably before Steph Curry breaks the all-time record for three-pointers. Uh, we're pretty sure it's going to happen tonight. It's one to tie, one to break. We have the game going in the background, so if somebody gets interrupted rudely in the middle of this podcast, it will it's be It's going to happen. Exactly, right there, just like that. That's the interrupting cow joke uh, brought to you by Kyle Stein in a new form. Um, and yeah, so here we are. Steph, he's made a lot of three-pointers in his life. It, the number is uh, 2,972. Ray Allen is at 2,973. Does um, he hit 4,000? Does, does he hit 4,000? What is his pace? Is it, is it gonna be, did either of you, did anybody figure that out? He has 140 right now. He's still the only person ever to make 400 in a season, which is why we were talking about this before we got on the pod. Um, yeah, the question is, is anyone going to catch him? You know, we, when we 4,000, 4, yes, 4,000 is happening. But yeah. will anybody catch him? I like that question. It's kind of like way, if he plays five more seasons, you would have to say that he would hit 4,000. Without a doubt, right? I yeah. mean, a relative, relatively yeah. healthy. He could break it in three seasons from now. Three and a half yeah. seasons, yeah. a thousand can go down. And this, yeah, that's basically the thing, kind of baking in aging, baking in injuries, all these things. You say, can he play five more seasons? I think he can. Yeah. He'll probably break 4,000. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so some, yeah, it's, it's fascinating to see some records go down. Um, he, he's the single season record holder. Do you have that number, Jalen? I think you were. Yeah, it's, it, I don't know what it is exactly. It's like 405 or something okay. like that. And he broke, he broke the single season record multiple times. Um, uh, you know, they're all kind of, he has nearly every record around the three. The one he doesn't have yet besides threes made is threes attempted uh he's got but he only has 540 attempts to break ray allen's record there to support ray allen's not gonna have any records anymore uh probably by the the end of the season so the record is 402 uh he's the only person ever to make 400 threes in an nba season that's the record at 402 um he also i'm not sure if he set the record in these seasons uh, so James Harden is second uh, with 378. Steph Curry has the third highest at 354. And then it's just like mostly Steph Curry and then James Harden going down <laughs> right. after that. Right. Yeah. And that, and you know, one of the reasons this is happening is not just the volume with which Steph shoots, but it's the efficiency. Nobody in the history of basketball has combined his volume and his efficiency. His rate on three-pointers is 43.1%. The only other great shooter um, really close to him is Kyle Korver at 42.9%. Um, but the, there's a considerable drop-off in efficiency when you, when you go through this list. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great point to, like, jump onto. Like, the most threes, the players who have made the most threes this year are Steph Curry. Curry, Buddy Heald is second. Steph has 140. Buddy Heald has 98. But there's a huge gap in attempts. Steph has 349 yeah. attempts. Uh, Buddy Heald has 280. Um, and that's reflective of the fact that normally three-point shooters were guys who couldn't put the ball on the floor. Obviously, Ray Allen was a player who could put the ball on the floor a little bit. 
Um, uh, but again, Buddy Healed, Kelly Oubre Jr. can put the ball on the floor a little. He's third right now, but um, you know, he's mostly a shoot first guy. He's not going to, you're not going to run ISOs for Kelly Oubre where he's going to dance <laughs> on a defender and take 12 dribbles. I guarantee nobody his efficiency, wants to see it. Nobody I, wants to see it. I guarantee if I go on uh, NBA.com, his efficiency is going to drop the more dribbles he takes. Steph Curry is the <laughs> king of threes in large part because he's essentially Ray Allen and like slightly reduced James Harden. He can both make them off the dribble attack. He can attack a big in switch. He can score in isolation and he can get to his three in isolation along with doing the Reggie Miller archetype of running off screens. No player had ever married those two abilities in the way that he did. And really like he does them seamlessly because he can go from one moment, like let's say he's dancing on a big, the big does an unbelievable job and stops him. He's like, his first instinct is to go, oh, okay, and just immediately pitch it to Draymond and then cut back go door back and get it. or <laughs> yeah, or relocate for a three. So you think you you're safe, you've done your job, you've stopped the isolation attack, but all of a sudden now he's moving off the ball and you're in like a completely different sort of defense that you need to play. It's like in that matchup in 2016 against the um against the Thunder the Thunder's defense was amazing because they essentially had set like a bunch of seven footers between KD, um, Roberson, uh, Ibaka and Adams. But what would happen was they would switch and maybe, you know, a hobbled Steph, he was injured that playoffs, maybe Ibaka and Adams could do a pretty solid job on him in isolation off the dribble. But all of a sudden he was running off two and three screens. And all of a sudden now you have a seven footer who never does this and he has right. to defend out there and there are just breakdowns. And, you know, that's how he gets a lot of his threes, you know, like the, the relocation three is just like a play within a play that he, you know, no one really did it like him. Right. No, I, I, I love your breakdown of the different ways in which Steph gets this done, because I kept looking at this stat, you know, he's, he's averaging 13.4 attempts this season per game, where Buddy Heald is second most attempts, I think, at 10, um, a couple guys above nine, but, you know, it, the, the, the number of attempts starts to drop pretty quickly, and it, but it, it didn't dawn on me to hearing you describe that breakdown, the it's because he can do all of those versions so well. Nobody yeah. else, nobody else here can. Everybody else has a hole. Yeah, exactly. You know, like a player like Duncan Robinson, who had maybe one of the best catch and shoot three point seasons, yeah. uh, a, a season or two seasons ago. Now, I think, you know, it's just it's not possible for him to get up the same number of attempts, even though he's hitting them at an insane rate because he's not taking them off the dribble and he can't create his own shot. You know, so originally, I think people thought that Steph Curry was purely an evolution on the Reggie Miller archetype and someone who couldn't put the ball on the floor the way he did. And people were kind of slow to see that element of his game. And obviously, that's not a part of his game that Steve Kerr particularly likes to highlight you know Steve Curry wants to move the ball and do all of that you know they want to play the beautiful game but Steph has generally had really good isolation numbers and I'll say this I think to to the credit of his critics I think there's a there would be like a kind of diminishing returns at a certain point if Steph Curry was running too many isolations I don't think it's true that he could run say the number of isolations that James Harden ran in his heyday and have that level of success but you know, what you want is like a healthy Steph Curry who is capable when he does run those isolations 
to be effective. And I think that has largely been true for pretty much most of his, you know, the peak of his career that we've enjoyed. Ever since he got his feet fixed, his feet and his ankles, uh, ever since then, yeah, it it, it all changed. Yeah, and I I also want to say, like, I tweeted this out that, like, something to the effect of, like, your favorite player could never hope to look as sugar drunk and shambolic as Steph Curry when he's off. (laughs) And I think that is, like, absolutely true. And, you know, I think Kyle and I have argued about this. Like, you know, there is a kind of, like, tenuous grasp on greatness that is, like, a part of Steph Curry's game. Like, in the piece I wrote a while back in the – I forget, maybe that was the 2019 finals when they were playing against – the Raptors, you know, it's like he could slip on a wet spot and, you know, that really upended the 2016 playoffs. You know, he could twist an ankle. Um, you know, he is undersized essentially for like the superstar archetype. And there is an element to of his game. I've watched a lot of his games. Like I've watched full seasons of games, not just like the highlights or whatever. They're, like sometimes he just forgets how to dribble for like two minutes of a game. Like he might have 40. <laughs> But he just somehow he just like, I don't know, he forgets how to dribble for two minutes at a time. Like he's obviously sort of chasing the record. He had like some weird, crazy turnovers. He threw the ball in the first row against Indiana. That is a part of his game, which is, I think, part of why so many little kids like him. Like he he there is a child like chaos to his game at times. Um, And I don't quite understand. Like he's obviously an incredibly good ball handler. He dropped. Um, you know, he famously dropped CP3 uh, way back when with a double behind the back move. He's obviously a great ball handler, but sometimes it's just like, you know, a week at a time, you're just like, man, his ball handling is really loose. Is kind of losing the ball. Jalen, is it possible that you're attributing his mistakes to this kind of like childlike glee in a way that you might not do for say LeBron, but really they're just a part of the variance of the game. You know, like LeBron of course has, no, he I has just ga- think that- he has games or what? No, no I'm, I'm actually I'm curious because because this this goes into like something that I think that um, we on the podcast have um, tried to get into is sort of like the cultural framing of these things, and like hearing you talk about Steph Curry in the, in these ways, it really does you know it changes the 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 um, the tenor of the conversation to say that that it's you know connected to this kind of like glee or this kind of like um, you know. Um, the the it's it's a playfulness and it's also just a sheer mastery of the game that's connected with this um i mean how how to even describe it basically it's to say like it's a lot more positive framing of mistakes than what we get for other players and i and i'm curious to hear you talk about that well i mean i just think that like the the reality is steph curry's game has way more variance in it than LeBron James game. So I don't mean it purely as like an aesthetic description description or a kind of like positive framing of mistakes. Like I think that if Steph Curry had like, if that element of Steph Curry's game, for example, if Steph Curry was more like CP3, they might've won the championship in 2016 because CP3 is never going to throw a pass behind his back to a moving target in the fourth quarter of a close game in the, in the NBA finals, like interesting. Yeah. Maybe they just win. If Steph Curry is like, well, I can't do that because that's a bad decision for a point guard to make. But the reason that that was a problem was because he couldn't do all the extraordinary things that CP three can't do. Like he was injured. He wasn't playing as well. He had lost a certain amount of his superpowers and it was like, he never recalibrated. He's like, 
thinking that his body could do things that it simply couldn't, you know? Um, but again, the, I just think that like, if, you know, some, someone argue, maybe if they sit him for like two extra minutes in that game seven, maybe they win, you know, things like that. But yeah, so I don't, I don't mean to do something where it's just simply a positive framing of mistakes. I think legitimately the fact that he shoots so many threes, the fact that the three point shot is so much a part of his game, the fact that off ball movement is such an integral part of his game, it creates a greater sense of variance. If the referees are going to allow an increased amount of physical contact off the ball, Steph Curry's life gets harder. Uh, it, that's just a fact. He's, he's shorter and the increased physicality of the playoffs has proven to diminish his efficiency slightly, not to the point where he isn't one of the better uh, playoff scorers or a superstar, but it does have a slight effect. LeBron James doesn't need to run off three screens, you know, for the majority of his career, he's been the most athletic, one of the best passers, maybe the best person to ever see the game, to ever play the game. So it's just like the variance is going to come maybe just because the, the playoffs is a tougher environment, but that variance is not inherent to his game, right? For most of his career, he wanted to get downhill, score at the basket, score at the free throw line. Those are the most reliable things in basketball. That's what every single coach wants you to do. Like the three-point shot was slow to integrate into the game. It was slow to be accepted. And that's like the thing that separates Steph Curry from the rest of the pack. Like he, he needs space to a degree, which – LeBron James doesn't need space. You know, that was like the huge element of the five out offense. Steph Curry is like quick. He has nice moves. Uh, he can finish around the basket really well. But if there's two seven footers standing in front of him at the basket, that's going to be pretty tough. Right. You know, we saw this with the heat against the Lakers in the finals. Like Anthony Davis could, could just eliminate space, uh, especially with Dragic and other players battling injuries you know, he just needs space. He needs things that like LeBron doesn't. So I don't think it's purely an aesthetic description or reframing. I think that like that high variance, it doesn't necessarily have to manifest it. Like, let's say if like we gave CP3 Steph Curry shooting abilities, the ball handling variance wouldn't be there because that's just like not who CP3 is. So I think the ball handling variance, I don't really have an explanation for that. Like, I don't know how a guy who dribbles as well as Steph Curry does can look so bad for like two minutes at a time and like legitimately it's like he forgets how to dribble for like two minutes of the game and the thing about 2016 was that like it wasn't that that was gone like I think he was sharper and quicker and more athletic maybe than he is now but that was still there like he would kick the ball and then just be like he would remember that like the best play for him is to just shoot. He kicked the ball, pick it up and shoot it. And it'd go in. And like, that was 2016. Like that, it was just kind of like the perfect version of all his skills. Yeah. Yeah. So that is Steph and the three, what has just been described is the, the, the contemporary version of the three pointer. I want to take us back to 1979 who was the very first person to set the very first three-point record that is who made the very first one do you guys know michael thompson 
Chris Ford, Boston Celtics, yeah. October twelfth, nineteen seventy nine, and now over forty. You're talking years about the. You're talking about the first three. Just the very ever? first one. Okay. That was the I, first record. No, I was, I was getting <laughs> for curious. a moment. <laughs> I was I was curious what like whether we were talking about the first three yeah, pointer ever or it, it the first like, first season. Yeah, first sure. season. And I didn't so, look. I, I didn't. So look I was like trying to think of good shooters from like the late seventies, and uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, there are a bunch of weird stats, sort of unintuitive, you know, uh, non-intuitive things around this, just because of the way the game has changed. Like we, did, the, the 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 names you see on the board here are kind of surprising at times for the you know the top fifty shooters. Vince Carter is the sixth most prolific three-point shooter. <laughs> I kind of love that, honestly. You know, I just like really. Does anybody think of that for Vince Carter? I really love that idea because you know he Jamal Crawford's he comes into the league (laughs) as this you know like has you know coming out of North Carolina has to live up to this like Michael Jordan legacy and of course he does it in a couple of dunk contests at least in that way, but in a lot of people's eyes, um, was just like not that caliber of player. The idea he's the sixth most prolific three-point shooter maker he might not have the most that many attempts but he has the six most made but that but that's what i mean that makes me very happy on on his account yeah yeah no and there there are some others mixed in here at 12 jason kidd he he was bashed for his shooting for nearly his entire career. It's so crazy. He's number that, twelve. That's a second half of career thing for him too. I mean, that's like that's like when he's in Dallas, you know. The the much maligned J.R. Smith comes in at sixteenth. Yeah, PG is at that. twenty. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah, so there are just some some uh, surprises here, you know, and some throwbacks. You got you have Peja Stoyakovich uh, in here. Wesley Matthews at 24 was a surprise. Um, yeah, so just uh, it, it's kind of a fascinating list that gives you a weird history of basketball uh, once you start rolling. Do we want to take this opportunity to retread some conversation Jalen and I have had? I mean, when Jalen's is comparing LeBron and and uh, Steph in these ways in CP3, but primarily, actually CP3 too, we brought up as an example. I was thinking about our conversations about Cade because- uh, Yeah, you know, let's it's, do it's, it. Because let's... it's interesting, like the thing that, that came up between us this week was that- I would like uh, you guys to just read your tweets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or not your, your, your text rather on yeah. the group thread to each other, and then we'll just see what happens. I mean, I'll just recap it. So <laughs> there's a Pistons game where they put up a graphic that noted that cumulative stats through the first 20 games, Cade Cunningham was in the ranks of only five other players. And uh, the players that I'm going to remember off the top of my head were um, Larry, I think, Oscar, LeBron. Ben Simmons and someone else and and then Cade Cunningham and this was for total rebounds assists and points numbers the whatever thresholds they put them at he was in this company and so I opened up this conversation to say you know I I've um I've heard um Jalen's kind of caution about Cade's lack of athleticism and about what that might project for his career and what I was thinking, you know, as, as you're talking, Jalen is like, K 
Cade has similar kind of physical limitations to what you're describing that Steph has. And he doesn't have quite the same shooting, obviously, but he also doesn't have quite the same physical limitations. He's much taller. He's stronger. All these things. He's and he's slower, seen, though, too. Yeah, slower, too. But I'm basically like I'm, I'm trying to like point out this thing where I was like, whatever is going on with him, there is an effective combination of size, length, you know, like size, length, athleticism, skill, right. it seems to be working for him really well to put him into this echelon of players, which, I mean, besides Ben Simmons, we are considering some of the greatest of all time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Jalen counterpoint. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess, <laughs> I guess I want to say that I, though we were arguing over text, I think that Largely, I agree with Kyle. I think Cade Cunningham is already quite good and will be really good when it's all said and done. Um, but I guess, I guess my point was generally that when Cade Cunningham was coming out out of the draft, right, he was the clear number one. Like the Pistons looked at other players, but I don't think there was ever any doubt that they were going to pick him. Uh, so he was not only was he a clear number one in his in this draft. But there were people early on uh, as the in the lead up to the draft that were saying, I would pick Cade over Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball and James Wiseman. And I would put I wouldn't pick, you know, they, I think they said they would pick Zion over Cade, but they might pick Cade over Jaw. You know, I might be misremembering that. But for sure, there was a consensus that they would have picked Cade over LaMelo. And essentially what I was saying was, I think in my head, to me, that meant that Cade 6'8" has a really good defensive base. Like people pointed to the fact that like he was, he was locked in on rotations as a prospect, like in high school, like he was doing yeah. NBA level rotations as a high schooler, which meant if you're six, eight, you can do NBA level rotations. You're going to be a good defender for your, the entirety of your career, basically. Um, and if you can provide like a modicum of like rim protection, um, as like a de facto point guard or wing, like that's a huge benefit to have, right? Like that's something that we saw. That's something that LeBron can do, right? LeBron's six, eight point guard, but he can also provide you a little bit of rim protection. And when he was with the heat, you know, D Wade is the best shot blocking guard in NBA history. He could also do that a little, that's huge for your team. But what the reality is, Kate is actually six, six, not six, eight. He's, <laughs> right. he's officially listed as six, six. Um, so then yeah, you have a question. Two inches. Jalen grew two inches and Cade shrunk two inches. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So then you have the question, well, is he really, can he really have as much of a like high level defensive impact? Can he provide that like rim protection? The, the rotations should still be there. He should still have plenty of length and know how to impact the game on the defensive end, generally speaking. But yeah, I think it was, my argument was just sort of built in the, like he's six, six, uh, how do, how does that limit his impact? Because essentially, I wonder now, would those same evaluators take Cade over LaMelo? They're essentially the same size. I would argue that LaMelo has a quicker first step. Cade Definitely. is maybe the more, Cade is maybe the more vertically explosive athlete. Um, LaMelo seems maybe, to have... Maybe, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't see a lot of bounce there, like in... Yeah, because like essentially like the the hype, the ultimate hype. Steph just got the first three. There you go. We're All one right, away. We're tied now. So two guys with the records, Ray Ray Allen and Steph. Be- yeah, because the ultimate hype with Cade was that he was 
athletic Luka Doncic. But like my argument is that Luka Doncic actually seems to be a better functional athlete, the way he changes direction and changes pace. And the fact that he is a legitimate six, eight and big, like to the point that he might need to lose weight, but also that he can throw that weight around. Yeah, that that I think is a big difference here. Um, you know, Doncic doesn't necessarily look like an athlete in certain ways besides his uh, height. <laughs> um, but he uses his body well to get clean shots. And, and it's one of the things I saw Cade struggle with early in the season uh, with, with the Pistons. He would get by somebody or get in the lane and then seem a little lost with finishing. He wasn't going up strong uh, to the rim. He wasn't, he didn't have another move once he got there, those sorts of things. But, but he also and, seems like he's learning it very quickly. Well, and that's the thing. That's what he I was going to say. Came, he's, yeah. he's learning it so quickly. You'll he see came him. in off an injury, too. And I think that, yeah. like, that was an easy thing to forget. But part of his, like, Well, he learn- wasn't even putting his body on people. Yeah. I think now, that, he, I, now he exactly. is. He's leaning with that shoulder and then going up around the rim. And so you've seen a distinct change. I think he was behavior. still trying to It'll of, keep like, developing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was still feeling out his own body on his return and making yeah. sure he wasn't going to get re-injured and any number of things. And I've seen him, yeah, I mean, gain in confidence and gain in knowing that he can overpower people in certain settings. And um, even just taking the jump out of the defender by using his body in that simple way, what, you know, the thing Doncic does continually, um, we're seeing Kay do now. And I think he'll start, he'll just keep adding those pieces to his game. This move, that shoulder, that step, that like, it's just going to keep happening. Um, But I, I mean, I think we have to acknowledge that he is a little limited athletically. Yeah, and he, he put a move on KD where he changed directions and pace in the game and scored over him. And it, it did not look as fluid as when Luka Doncic does but maybe that's an incredibly high bar. So, like I said, I was really just sort of asking, is, like, his ultimate, like, 100% outcome, like, maybe, like, 2 to 5% lower than we originally thought, you know? That's really all I was saying. I still think he's going to be really good. Yeah, I, I do think he'll be really good, but I, but I, it's hard to disagree with the idea that it, that, that lack of athleticism that we're seeing doesn't temper it a little bit. You know, you know, he's not going to have all the tools. He's just going to have almost all the tools. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think he's also a smart enough player, and we were talking about this before, where I think that he might even develop some kinds of tools that were not like anticipating yet i mean he's he's smart he's he's gonna who knows what it's gonna be is it gonna be a step back is is he actually gonna have kind of like an older player's game earlier because of these you know like right i don't think he has physical limitations i actually don't like framing it in that way because i think that um you know we've been watching an injured player you know you know coming off an injury player somebody like feeling out their first season and of course he, he doesn't have the same speed and the same like jump but I really think that he could have, um, you know, some very like physically effective, um, you know, yeah. go-to moves I, and traits. I mean, he's still he's 
is he 19 or 20? I can't remember, but he's, he's very young. He, I don't think he's really stopped growing. We're going to see a much stronger player over the next few years. That's going to change. Um, yeah, he could, he could get better. He could get more athletic. That's not like uncommon. Luca actually got more athletic after his first year. He, that was a year he actually came in like healthy and in better shape. And he was even quicker and more able to expose guys off the dribble. But yeah, I mean, it is a question, Kyle, like, you know, of the recent draft picks, you got Cade. I'm going to leave Jalen Green out of this because he's been sort of disappointing. He hasn't had the same immediate impact, though he has shown really great uh, space creation flashes. And Jalen Green has showed just unbelievable athleticism, like some, yeah. some like dunks of the year type. But yeah, but like Cade, LaMelo, Anthony Edwards, and Zion, like where would you – what sort of order or rank? Do we throw we Mobley in, in there? Yeah, I'm keeping them out because I just wanna, <laughs> I'm keeping Mobley out because I want to focus on the guards. All right. But I mean, I think that's the other thing is that like Cade was the clear number one, and I mean, is he still the clear number one with Mobley I, playing the way he is? I'm, gra- mean, I'm yeah. granted a I'm granted a little bit biased, um, but I'm still very happy with the pick for a couple of reasons we haven't even started to talk about his leadership and i think that he yeah it's gonna be big i think i you saw it in summer league i mean you saw him you know we talked about it on on the pod before you know he had um not seasoned nba players seasoned nba players he had people who had who had played multiple seasons in in the nba um and he had sadiq bay on the team and he looked like the best player and he looked like the leader and yeah. it's taken him a little while to have those moments here but i pay most attention to what happens in the fourth quarter and what happens in the final five minutes of the fourth quarter and he has over and over again Cade, this is has shown himself to be the go-to guy the leader he seems to be someone who everyone likes I think that right. he like he builds people up around him, and um, I think that that could have a big effect throughout throughout his career. And um, Mobley has been outstanding. I mean, um, like I I'm, you know, who knows how I'm responding right now? Is it sunk cost? Is it like the Pistons drafted Cade instead of Mobley, and so you just have to like roll is. with it now? Um, but boom, twenty nine seventy four. Steph in the first quarter of the knicks warriors yep, and they are taking a timeout right yeah. now at 728 yep you're saying and it was 12 a, to 10 it was a quick catch and shoot too it was on the move it was it was tough nice nice so there's the record i think that provides us with the perfect opportunity to shift to our next segment um, as we have the last couple of weeks we have a writer here on the podcast, ready to talk about something they wrote. His name is Jalen Utsi. <laughs> he he uh, has a piece up at Head Fake Hoops that I like a lot. It's called Confessions of a Golden State Warrior. Jalen, will you read that piece on Steph Curry? Yeah, sure. Um, so as you said, it's titled Confessions of a Golden State Warrior. Um, And this is how it goes. People think they know me, but I'm hornier than they'd believe. I pay for my porn and Bitcoin. There's a saying in our house, choir boy in the streets, but all about them feet between the sheets. 
It took God and the man above for me to avoid the wild eyes of Warrior's Woman. I watch the geriatric dance cam footage during timeouts, watch it on loop in the locker room as I critique popcorn with the zest of a British heiress. Batter my rod, three-person God, for my wife fed me caramel kettle corn with her feet last night. Toe jam never tasted so sweet. Misogyny is real. My wife said she wanted to be lusted after like retro Jordans on layaway and everyone took it the wrong way. You've seen the way the Larry OB looks at LeBron, the way the Blazers look at Draymond. You want that reflected back at you too. You want my jumper and my woman and my mama and my sister. You want to party with Clay and pop KD with one good zinger. I know you do. You want the underdog story spit shine to a hollow translucence. You want the stock options and Joe's bravado. You want to shimmy your innie in some seven foot fool's face after you've crop dusted his defense with the ash of your teardrop like an exploded firework. You want everything but the work. You don't want this work in a gym or after hours in the bedroom. You would yield. You're just like Joe. He fell into this jimmy and shimmy and now look at him. He's fat on fetid meat. Whole endeavors gone sour. I'm standing at the head of this gilded tower, but the base is shaky. I won't wait around for it to come crashing down. Yeah, that's Confessions of a Golden State Warrior. It's great to hear you read it. I heard some things I hadn't uh, the, the times I read it. The first that jumped at me was Zest and Eris, um, which I hadn't caught before. And you had one in here toward the end that I just, oh, Tower and Sour. Mm -hmm. you have these internals um one of my favorite lines in the piece though or not uh, more than a line my wife said she wanted to be lusted after like retro jordans on layaway and everyone took it the wrong way and so but one of the things i loved there was was all of the long a's you have layaway wrong way the way um but then it picks up after that with another use of way, Blazers, Draymond, and it flows even further with K Clay a couple stanzas down, or a couple it's down, and then KD as well. You're doing that all throughout this piece. One of the things that runs through here, even though you only use the word three for uh, Steph poem once, there are long E's throughout this entire poem everywhere. Like it, it strings it all together. Um, Anyway, I love some of the acoustics you're, you're, you're playing with. We talked with Sandra about uh, player names and acoustics. Um, you did an amazing job with it here. Any, any, any thoughts on, I don't know, sports names, basketball names, or names at all? The, why do they work so beautifully in poetry? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think one of my strongest attributes um, of the few that I have is like sound manipulation as a writer. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you noticed those. I'm sort of proud of those. I also like um, one that you didn't mention was uh, LeBron and Draymond. There's like that's a weird rhyme. Yeah, yeah that's great. Weird rhyme there. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I it was on my list to that. ask you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I, I think my favorite line, as I, I said this in the group chat, was the uh, you want to party with Clay and pop KD with one good zinger because um, I just think that like Kevin Durant's public persona as like a Twitter person who like cracks back, uh, you know, claps back at his haters on the Internet. Um, but is also like incredibly sensitive and to the point of like 
almost being cringeworthy. You know, there's like reports of him sliding in the DMs of like 15 year olds on Instagram uh, because they critiqued him or something on the internet. And I think, you know, I think, and I, I say people want to like get a joke off at Katie's expense essentially, but I don't think they mean that. I don't think that I'm not trying to say that in a, like a mean way because that like, that's what the internet does all the time. I say, I'm saying that more in a way of like, you actually know Kevin Durant and like, you can actually sort of make fun of him with love because you know him well. And like, you can just like get a like good joke off at his expense in person really like I think that in-person element is crucial there but I feel like everyone who feels like they know KD to a small extent through like seeing him on the internet kind of wants to like talk to him like in person in real life and like you know getting a joke off is sort of just like an extension of that idea yeah yeah nice Um, one of the things I want to ask you the poem um is mostly couplets except for the very last line, which is just a single line, no couplet. Was it the subject matter that led you to the couplets or something else? Um, That's a good question. I think that I have a tendency to write in couplets because I guess I'm not very like inventive when it comes to form. And because the couplets generally allow me, I think a slightly longer line where I find I can get into a rhythm more. Like, I think I wrote this poem sometime after I wrote another poem of mine that I think is pretty strong. And it feels like, and I felt like in writing them, I just kind of found a rhythm in my head and then just followed the rhythm as far as I could go. Um, And sometimes that's only like a couple lines and I have to reset and find a new rhythm. But in this case, I I felt like I was able to just kind of keep going with it. And so- The couplets just they don't fuss anything up really you know that that's really the only reason that i use them i played around with it being in in tercets and like three line stanzas but uh yeah just settled on the couplets i guess i i thought it worked well with the horniness of the poem uh just the 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 the, the, you know the object of Steph's affection which oh well I, and I, I I realized I never asked you this there was a prompt for this poem was it was it the Instagram photo from from a ways back yeah so yeah th- this is a good thing I feel like <laughs> I feel like I've mentioned this to a bunch of people and you know no one who doesn't follow the Warriors like in this with the same intensity level as I do and as many other fans do it's they're probably not catching all of these references but uh Aisha Curry Steph Curry's wife was on a morning talk show promoting a book or like she I, I know she has like a I think she has like a fitness program she's sort of like a you know cooking chef Instagram influencer right. and you know they asked her like what's like I don't, I don't remember the question, but they essentially asked her, like, what's like a picture that's like spicy or something. And she said, <laughs> uh, show them a picture. She showed them a picture of like her feet on her phone. And they're like, why do you have this? Um, and she was like, oh, like when Steph like says send nudes, he just gets a picture of my feet. And so like, <laughs> this is like a real thing, like Sports Illustrated, I, I love it. <laughs> fan-sided. You can just type this in the internet and you will get plenty of hits of like, you know, semi-reputable sports um, outlets covering the fact that, like, Steph Curry's into feet, you know, so that was it, and then there was the, an Instagram photo where, you know, Steph was carrying his wife, and people, the more, the, the, the freakier people on the internet was, kind of looks like Steph's kind of half chub in this picture, like, (laughs) um, so that was, that was sort of the, 
the impetus for the poem. Well, I, I, um, I, b- before we came on the pod, I was doing a, a little research on the piece and, and uh, looking for other Steph Curry stuff. And I just Googled horny Steph Curry, which colloquially is how this poem is referred to in our group chat as horny mm-hmm. Steph Curry. If you type in horny Steph Curry, you get an Instagram photo of Aisha in um, a bikini sort of facing away from the camera with a shadowed arm with sh- Steph's shadowed arm grabbing <laughs> her butt. And I was like, Oh, that, 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 that had to have been it, but it wasn't it. No. Yeah. Other Instagram photos <laughs> and other things. And this is the thing also, this is the other joke of the poem that like, you know, like I think Clay Thompson has said this before that Steph Curry is not a humble man. He said, you can't take the shots he takes. <laughs> and be a humble man and so it's like Steph Curry's shot selection is the horniest of all you know like I mean especially in the chase for this three-point record so I mean from both a basketball and non-basketball standpoint I think it it fits and then also there's like other things you know you know Steph has his investments he lives out in the bay so I'm kind of getting the like tech bro jokes off with the bitcoin um and then you know also there's a you know, There's some other jokes in here. Yeah. There's woman that the, the the way he worked in that phrase or that title rather with you know golden State yeah. lawyers the book the it's yeah. Like, and, and, <laughs> and there's there's also this dichotomy that Russell Westbrook played up in his campaign. Like I think he said this is not for choir boys or whatever, which seemed to be a clear reference to yeah. Steph um in his ad campaign. And the Warriors woman was this was in one of the finals, but there was a woman. I think is like an Instagram influence herself I, I chose not to put the name in because I I didn't want it to be like a weird shaming thing it was like wholly positive so I didn't want to yeah, like yeah. Yeah. do some like weird thing there but yeah the Warriors woman was just like an actual woman who was at the game who was looking very longingly at Steph Curry and it sort of like made the news in the finals um <laughs> and Steph is like really into popcorn um like anyone who knows Steph knows that so yeah, I just tried to use like, I mean, like, this is the thing that like, most of the information here is like, defensible, right? Like, I don't think, I don't think you can say that I'm like lying about, mo- I, you know, obviously, there's no, exaggeration no. for for art's sake, but it's like, I'm just using facts that are like, on the internet and happened in real life. So speaking of facts, let's talk about that last line. He, he the, the preceding couplet refers to the gilded tower and the shaky base. The last line is, I won't wait around for it to come crashing down. I think you're telling me he's leaving the Warriors or he's going to get traded. <laughs> you know, he's either going to ask out or be traded. Is, yeah. is, is, is that what you're suggesting here? Yeah. So there's, <laughs> I was suggesting that he was leaving and I think, the poem was written, I think, a year or more ago. So the Warriors yeah. were downer on their look Not doing when I well. wrote this. <laughs> yeah. um, and I also think there is a weird simmering of, like, I don't know if it's discontent or something between Joe Lacob and the stars on the team. You know, I mentioned this earlier. We When the season started, Draymond Green had these sort of inflammatory comments where he said, this never works, this whole, like, uh, young guys mixed with veterans who are trying to win a championship, that sort of setup never works. This was on like media day where Draymond Green said this, so essentially saying like, why do you have these young kids who can't play? We're trying to win a championship. And, you know, there was the reports that Steph and Clay and Draymond wanted Bradley Beal and other stars because they're trying to win a championship. They're 
towards the end of their careers. Whereas Joe Lacob is thinking about, they just moved into a new stadium. You know, they've experienced some down years, both on the court and then revenue wise, likely due to the pandemic. Um, you know, he's got all these draft picks that he doesn't want to trade. They're almost untouchable because he's trying to build for the future. You know, he has all these weird tech speak comments about this dual timeline, win now, build for later, all this sort of stuff. He's very easy to make fun of. Um, yeah. But um, so I, I do think that's a real thing. And other people have sort of reported on this that like, you know, there's a sense of when you take over a team, either in ownership or as a general manager, you have your guys, right? You have the people that you drafted and then the players that the previous GM drafted. And, you know, you know, Steph Curry was not one of the like smart things that Joe Lacob did. He just inherited Steph Curry. Right. And so he, you know, there, there does seem this, this sense where Joe Lacob kind of wants to take the credit for all the things and I think there is deserved credit to be given to him for like reshaping the organization and you know making smart trades getting rid of Monte Ellis all those sorts of things but yeah also none of this would be happening without Steph Curry so those lines are kind of just like a reference to that um so yeah but but I mean it's it's really interesting because it's almost like Steph Curry, he wasn't held back. Obviously, he's had a wonderful career. He just broke a record. Um, But the NBA um, and the sports, like the basketball world, was slow to embrace the three-point shot. And now it's really interesting. I think it was pretty clear that Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Klay Thompson were not necessarily, like, thrilled by the idea of playing with LaMelo Ball, Um, whether that was because of the loudness and big presence of his father or just because they didn't think his game would fit. But if you watch LaMelo Ball play now in the NBA, he fits perfectly with the Warriors. He's a pass-first guy. He throws it ahead all the time. He moves off the ball. like, And it's just a really interesting way in which, like, we're all susceptible to, like, I don't know, not being visionary enough to see the ways in which newer generations or younger things could benefit us or are actually a piece with our own sort of trailblazingness. Right. Right. We, I, I realized we never, we never actually tried to rank your list. Give me those names again. LaMelo, Cade, was it uh, Anthony Edwards? Anthony Edwards uh, and uh, Ja, Ja Moran. Uh, that's tough because Ja also had a huge jump earlier this season. It cooled off, but I am going to say, apologies, Kyle. I'm going to say LaMelo. Cade, maybe Anthony Edwards, then Ja. I can't tell what's going to happen with either of those guys. Anthony Edwards playing for this terrible organization. Just because Ja is injured right now. I mean, I would actually be more. Well, I'm saying it because he can be really terribly inefficient, Mm -hmm. which I've seen on fantasy teams where I've carried him, and what changed early this season is was his efficiency uh and 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 it was really great i don't know if that's gonna hold up so i'm not entirely convinced of that i like anthony i put kate flashes even more um put kate ahead of mello yeah that's the that's i actually weirdly i i I, i'm i i have these moments where i'm like anthony Anthony edwards is a like he's a competitor I mean, I was yeah. going to say he's a, he's a beast. He just gets out there. He just like bowls through people. And yeah. 
and he seems to have all the confidence in the world and he's the kind of and he also has all the athleticism he has he has the size he has the speed he yep. has all he has all those things you know he was a football player i mean he he, he can you know he uh can we get him 15 attempts a game from behind the line <laughs> i don't know why not I mean, he has we'll the physicality to, to do it no i mean don't like, you think i think that kate is a better shooter than him which is one of the things that i keep looking at where i'm like kate has yeah 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 okay and i think that he will remain so throughout his career and these yeah. are the these are the points where i'm like i think that kate is gonna be the best shooter out of the four i think over the course yeah, of a career he, he's not there yet um, but I think that he probably will be the best shooter out of the four. And I think that he can do a lot of the, um, you know, the, the setting up for teammates that LaMelo does, but he's just going to do it in a very different way. He's right. not going to play in transition in quite the same way that LaMelo does because he doesn't have the speed, um, but he does have the court vision. Um, and yeah, definitely he, he has a way of using his size and all his skill set to dictate the flow of the game. You can already see it now. I'm, I'm talking about like those yeah. – those final five minutes, you know, the yeah. final five minutes. Um, gosh, I'm trying to remember exactly what game it was. Um, was it against the Nets? No, they were way too far behind against the Nets. Um, the, 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 there was an earlier, there was a game against the Nets where they were down and got back into the game late. Uh, and, so it was the Nets. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the Pistons were, I mean, Cade was great down the stretch with his aggressiveness, but it was just really clear the Pistons didn't have enough options or people to actually score in those situations. It was Cade or Jeremy Grant and the Nets had them both locked up and nobody else was even moving on the court. Which is tough the when, a, so, yeah, when, a, like, when a shorthanded but, Nets team. Has but you saw that up. flash you're talking about. You saw his ending, uh, you you know, you saw the guy who could become in that bit. And it was after that game that K, uh, not K, uh, that KD talked about how great he thought Cade was going to be. Yeah. And it's, you felt that before, you know, like you have Jeremy Grant, who is ostensibly the, the top player, you know, the, the leader of the team. But when push comes to shove, like Cade has this way of like taking, you know, control as just like, I'm the guy who should take the shots because I'm the guy who's going to make the shots. And, right. and that's the part where I'm like, um, I really just think that overall shooting, he's probably going to be stronger than LaMelo. Um, yeah. And- I don't know, but it feels like we might need to recalibrate our expectations on that because LaMelo is just shooting the ball incredibly well. Um, and, and he's always possessed great touch and it seems like it's manifesting now in the actual like efficiency of his shooting. Um, and I, I think coming into the, I mean, I think they're both going to be good shooters. And I think uh, Cade has like, just like, it looks like, it seems like they're the same height, but, but his form is more classic. I think, even though it, it feels like it's changed a little bit since he got in the league, um and if it is like a fairly low release but like he's tall enough and if he can get it off quick enough I don't think that'll be too much of a problem but LaMelo kind of has like a set shot um he shoots a lot of deeper threes because of that um just to like give himself the space to get it off but he can also get it off off the dribble so I mean I think largely again I don't like I think I have a really tough time with those rankings which is why I asked because like on the one hand I think jaw, if the jumper is going in for jaw, he has the most 
of the most ability i think to just like beat switches in the half court because of that amazing first step yeah his um, speed is unbelievable out of this group even yeah yeah he's incredibly unselfish just like the rest of the guys um and if the jumper is going in and you go under the the screen like he's just going to shoot it and like then all of a sudden you're going over screens and now he's putting you in jail he can hit the guy in the corner he can hit the roll man like he has more ways to win like do you remember that finish he had against the lakers where he went up and under on ad like yeah. maybe anthony edwards can do that he's the only one no none of the other yeah, guys nobody can else can finish you know? that but it's also like he's only hit the jumper now for like half a season um this year like he he hit it well as a rookie but not on high volume so i'm not sure if the jumper is going to be there and then lamello it's like the jumper is going in just fine. The transition passing is amazing, but there are times where he he's just like dribbling and like not creating that much space. He's putting the ball between his legs like four times, but he hasn't created that much space or he gets to the basket and he's like trying to do his like up and under like sweeping layups and they just don't look great. Um, and then Anthony Edwards is like, as you said, he has all the physical tools and he's shown some solid passing chops, but I kind of am less confident that he's going to get all the way there and yeah. be a good enough playmaker to like be the number one option. Right. Um, if I was confident that he could get the playmaking, if he had the playmaking that the other guys have, I think he would be the natural choice because right. just the athleticism is off the charts. So right. it's tough. I mean, I, Zach Lowe said he would pick, um, he would pick LaMelo over jaw. And then if you pick LaMelo over jaw, then I don't really see a reason why you would pick Cade over LaMelo at that point. They're, they're essentially like the same, like what is Cade going to be better at than LaMelo? I guess shooting um, and maybe his like classic form allows him to make shots in the mid range. Whereas maybe, yeah, defense. Yeah. It it would have to be the defense probably. Well, and the thing we didn't talk about with jaw and I've been wondering about all season as I I watched him come out with increased efficiency early before his injury, he has better players around him. He has a cohesive (laughs) starting five around him for the first time, maybe in his career with good players at every position. And I think that's opened up the game. I think that's part of why his shooting has been better. He's getting more open looks. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I was, I've as like, as the negative person I am and as being a LaMelo fan, I was sort of like down on him coming into the season. I was worried that, the loss of Devonte Graham would meant he'd have more like on ball reps and just like that might be too much for him to handle. But before he went out with health and safety protocols, I mean, he went toe to toe with, with Giannis and, and the bucks, he hit that game tying yeah. three falling away in that game. And yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I think I would probably, I would just go, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's so yeah. tough. They're, no, it's, they're, it's an impossible all, question. They're all so good. I, I think I would for sure have Ant last, but other than that, I don't know what I can say for sure. All right. Um, so this has mostly been a Steph Curry pod. I think let's bring it back to Steph Curry. Uh, uh, I have a last word on Steph. Um, do you guys want a last word on Steph before we close? Congratulations. <laughs> that's about all i got to say i mean congratulations there's not really much to more to say I mean, has the number changed where are we still 2974 has it gone up yeah i think i don't think he's made any more threes okay 
I mean, uh, here's rooting for 4,000 is the one thing I'll say. <laughs> all right. All right. Jalen, what you got? Yeah, I'm just – this is sort of a reminder to myself. Um, I don't know if the Warriors are good enough to win. I don't know if Steph will score well enough in isolation to win the championship, but I'm going to enjoy the ride. The team makes a lot of sense around him. He just broke a record. I'm just happy that, you know, he's back playing well and lighting the league up and we're getting these fun moments, including the times when he forgets how to dribble for like two minutes of a game. It's all part of the fun. So I'm just going to enjoy it. I'll forgive the lack of dribbling when it happens because sometimes his dribbling is amazing to watch too, which makes it even harder to understand the lack. Yeah. But the last word I want to give on Steph is this. He's sitting at 2974. He has the record for three point field goals made in the NBA. Every single time Steph Curry makes another three-pointer, he's going to set the record for <laughs> most three-pointers made in the yeah. NBA for the rest of his career. Every single time that is going to happen. So congratulations, yeah. Steph Curry. That is this episode of the Shot Tower Pod. We are turning off the phantom power. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>